Hey y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I get to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. And in this episode number 354, I am welcoming back to the show, Jenny Allen, and we're going to talk about getting vulnerable and finding your people. It's not something that you add to your schedule. If it were that simple, it would be a pamphlet, right? I could just have said, hey, start a supper club. But it's not It's not that. We're talking about daily, like in and out of each other's lives and, and choosing a mode of operation that's communal rather than independent. We have been raised in an independent society. And so choosing those little things are actually really hard to do because we value independence. We Amazon what we need. We don't go and borrow it from our neighbor. We've had a couple different episodes this winter on friendship, but today we're really leaning into how do you cultivate the deep friendships, the ones that sustain you, the ones where you are known and seen and you know others, the ones that you let in when you're having a hard time, when you've experienced severe anxiety or a challenge. And thankfully, Jenny Allen is going first. She's an author, speaker, Bible study, uh, writer, and the host of If Gathering. Today, she's sharing a bit from her new book, Find Your People. In that book and in our conversation, she talks about her move from Austin to Dallas and goals she set for herself. Uh, I also appreciate her sharing what is hard for her in friendship. I share a little bit about what's hard for me and I'm thankful for someone to guide us because this doesn't come naturally. And the lie that the enemy wants us to believe is that it's only hard for you, that there's something wrong with you. It's not true. You're not alone, mom, if finding deep, vulnerable friendships doesn't come easy. So let's get right to our conversation. Here we go. Jenny, welcome back. To the Don't Mom Alone podcast. So good to be here, Heather. I love it. And we are just, you know, miles away, but there's an ice, (laughs) there's an ice storm right now. I think I could probably work a paper airplane to your house. (laughs) And we we could do it. Yes. Yes. And we're just talking that our kids have found their ways into each other's lives, you know, in a big group of friends. This isn't a like romantic thing, but just like a, a big group of friends. And I'm so thankful for that. I know we had a parent party the other night of all the kids' friends. And it's just so fun that our kids, because they go to different schools. So totally, yeah, totally. And the starting a new high school for him, it was, it was challenging to find his people. So Mm. I'm really thankful for that. Um, But I'd like to lean into, there are gals listening who have moved to new cities or just the reality of the last two years. And you can relate to being in a new city. How long ago did you move from Austin to Dallas? We moved five years ago. Okay. And it's amazing. It feels like home now, but it was a drastic move. We moved while, I mean, I know everybody's going to judge this, but there were desperate measures of why we had to do this, but we had a, a senior in high school, a sophomore in high school and a sixth grader and a fourth grader. So it was a traumatic move, as you can imagine on all of them, but especially my high schoolers. And yeah, it, but yet it was the best thing they would each say it's the best thing we ever did. And so we're grateful that they're saying that and they don't <laughs> want to kill us. Um, but you know, it, what's crazy is like my son who was the senior is moving back to Dallas, not to Austin, which what? is 
amazing. We're so grateful. So he is already know, done with school coming. I know. How does what? that happen? I, I just I blinked. What is happening? Oh, yeah. Well, I think the pandemic yeah, the time made warp. it go way faster. And to be fair, it made it go fast for me because he was home a lot of that time. Mm. So yeah, college is not, has not been the same for these COVID college kids. No, no. So they, okay. So they're in, they're in high school. How long had you been in Austin? So people can grasp like this 12 shift. years. Okay. Yeah. So 12 years, their whole lives. Right. I mean, they don't remember living anywhere else. Yeah. And I think, you know, for moms who are new with their kids being in school, they're just doing this where you get to know their moms at your kid's school. And just the kids are kind of a foot into relationships, sometimes sideline mm-hmm. conversations yeah. So to disrupt that. <laughs> yeah. And move at the time you did, you get here and maybe people have this false belief. Oh, it's Jenny Allen. I'm sure she has friends falling <laughs> out of her ears and no, people are, people are the opposite. It's weird. Like they yeah. don't, yeah, there's a definite, um, yeah. People don't want to bother me. Everybody assumes I'm busy. I think, I think that would be the main barrier, but I would say it was really hard and I was pretty much starting over. I did have friends in Dallas, but very few that were in our neighborhood. And so I wanted, and part of what the book's about is five miles, five friends. That's not always possible, but one of the, you know, proximity does help. And so I did come in with, because Austin had been so spread out for me, I did come in wanting a few friends nearby. And again, those other friends are still great friends of mine, but, but I couldn't see them at the grocery store. They couldn't tell me what, that my kid was getting in trouble at school. Like I, you know, and honestly, I found those friends and they all do that now. So I appreciate that. Um, but I did want that. And so I did feel like I was completely starting over and it was a big city and, and yeah, I, it was scary. And especially for my kids. I mean, I, I think for the first year, Zach and I didn't even think about the fact that we were home every night and had no friends. We, we were just thinking about them. Um, who were also at home with us every night. And had no friends. So it was definitely um, a, a dramatic change, but I do believe, you know, even that, like my, my oldest is so cute. He would say, we are so close as a family because we had to do that and start over. So yeah. it does take a little while. And that five people, five miles concept you know, you said you, you want to be able to run into them. So I get the five miles, the five people. So we just did an episode on being a person of welcome and not showing partiality and having this big circle or keeping the circle open. But at the same time, Jesus even modeled a few. Mm -hmm. So talk to us about that choice, like the five people. I can't wait to listen to that other episode because that (laughs) is a huge value of mine. And, and really what the book is about is building a village because that's how people have lived throughout history and, and really not building it, but you probably already have it. And so what does that look like around you? And, and so I absolutely love what you're saying about partiality. That's so helpful to that, to that pursuit, but the research, you know, what to give people categories, what the research says is that 150 people is how many acquaintances you have the capacity to know their name and maybe that they have you know, this many kids or that's, that's just acquaintances. You're not deeply in their lives. The the next level is 50, which is what I call a village. And that is your ability to take a casserole to someone when you hear their mom dies, they're not your everyday friends, but you've got, you know, 50 people that you kind of can keep tabs on that, that you like, and have spent enough time with that. You're like, you know what? I, I really would love to, to help them in this moment or the season. And then we have capacity for daily friendship weekly friendship with five. That's our, our max number two to five is, is what it says. So 
I think, you know, that's helpful. I think when you are thinking about your life of categories of people, it's hard when you don't feel like those natural categories show up and you really don't know how to get to those. And, and so, and I, I mean, post quarantine, we're all feeling that way. And so what I hope the book does is, is help you get to those, those places and, and see people maybe differently than, than you did. And yes, we do need those few, those few are what everybody craves. I believe most people will buy the book because they hope to find those few. They're not going to think about the 50. They want those few. We all want our two to five best friends that we hang out all the time, right? Everybody's craving that, but the road to that usually is that 50. It's that village. And those numbers on the inside might change here and there and probably won't always be people that are friends with each other. You'll find two to five people that you really deeply connect with. If they all connect with each other, great, but they may not. And that's okay. But you do need those, that little group that, that really knows you and you know them. No, I think it's important that you said that this isn't necessarily like the five of you all hanging yeah, out or, like yeah. together. It's the fact that you are deeply known by five people and that you know them and are yeah. connected and accountable to. And that might be too many for, for some yeah, people. So true. I want to say two to five, like, yeah, no, that's good. really two is some people's max and that's okay. Two is great. That might be your number. And, and that's a great thing to aim for, but you probably need more than one. Well, <laughs> so and we'll I, say think, that. I think even saying that for moms of kids, who they want their kids in this big group of friends, like we were just talking about. And that may not be how their child's wired. Oh, I, for two people. Yeah. It might actually, in fact, fact, a lot of people that have that big group, they still feel socially isolated because they, they end up being known by a lot of people, a little rather than a few people by a lot. And so, you know, when it, when my kids went into public school for the first time in Dallas, when we moved and I'm sending them all four out the door to (laughs) <laughs> you know, who knows what get eaten by wolves, you know, they're, who knows what's going to happen. And I've just all my, my prayer, I prayed over and over again was Lord, give them each one, just give them each one. And, and God did. And, and I think that is, that's a good prayer of like, I mean, I'd say two is probably the healthier number for my research, but, but I do think we each, you know, we don't need the whole big group. In fact, the whole big group, depending on their age and, and maturity level can just take you off a cliff, right? That's <laughs> that happen the herd. Yeah, that can happen. Yeah. That can happen. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's, it's very freeing because there's this burden moms can carry to, oh, mm-hmm. but they're not, you know, they're not in this big group. Well, they might be fine. Are they fine? They're fine. This week I took my first trip in 2022. I was on a flight by myself. It's America, y'all. And I wore my Rothy's sneakers and they were so comfortable, so easy to slide on and off because I would recommend going up either half a size if they have half sizes or full size. Uh, And I knew no matter how dirty they got on my trip that I could throw them in the washer and they would come out clean. Also, remember my stinky feet situation? Um, I really do love my Rothy's. They're so comfortable as I'm walking through the airport or whatever I'm doing that day, whether it's driving carpool or going to a basketball game. I love them. Also, uh, they're really durable, and I'm thankful that they'll be able to last for a long time and good for the planet. Everything Rothy's makes is better for the planet. They've repurposed millions of water bottles into their signature thread that goes into every single one of their products. If you've never checked them out, they have casual, dressy men, women. They also have 
stylish and washable bags, wallets, other accessories, you should definitely go check them out. Hit the new year in stride with a fresh pair of Rothy's. If you're a new customer, you're going to get $20 off your first purchase if you go to rothys.com slash DMA for Don't Mom Alone. That's Rothy's, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash DMA. But how yeah. for you? Okay, so you're you're this adult. You have exposure to lots of people, like you said, but you want these really close two to five. Mm-hmm. What first steps did you take? Like, you, did you just like start calling people up or hey, you want yeah, to be my friend? So What's that awkward? Oh, prepare to cringe, everyone. Prepare <laughs> to cringe. What so did the you first do? person I remember calling up was you really it, called someone up. Oh, yeah. literally did. No, 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 no. Worse. I reached out to him on Facebook or Instagram. Maybe you I did got their DM? number from someone. You slid into their DMs? I think I slid said, into you be their my DMs. Friend? Here's okay. who it was. This is so embarrassing. I can't even <laughs> believe this story, but it did work. I heard that this girl that we had some mutual friends that said she was cool, um, was my counselor. So she was my counselor from camp when I was in high school. So she was at Baylor and in college and I was in high school. Okay. So 20 years later, 20 plus, I somehow slid slid into her DMs or call her. I can't remember. I don't remember getting her number from anyone. So probably I slid into her DMs and was like, hi, (laughs) I don't know if you remember me from 20 something years ago. But anyway, I I said, will you go to coffee? Like we're moving and I would love to hear your experience. And and I knew she, her kids were in the same school district. So anyway, we, we go to coffee and I loved her and we, we totally hit it off. But I mean, you know, she led me to what is now our small group and she's in it. She led me to a whole host of other people, but I mean, all the moments of that friendship, the pivotal moments were awkward moments. It was, we go to coffee. And then she was like, well, what about small group? And I said, Oh, I don't know. Well, I don't even know you. And I don't know anyone you're talking about. And they invited us and I said, no. And, and then, and then after a while we got to know some of the other couples and we said, yes. And then we get to small group and then we all share our stories together and it's so freaking awkward. And then I go to, we end up driving one day and she's like, do you have many friends here? I said, I said, no, I don't. And, and she said, um, I don't either. And, and that Aww. was, and she said, and I, I am so glad that you need a friend too. And I need a friend. I mean, it's so tender, but like, that was a huge pivotal conversation. I've never forgotten because it was the first time after that drive that I felt like I have a real friend because she needed me to. And, and so I do believe getting to what we're craving is just so awkward. You're, I just think we have to embrace it. And, you know, I think of Jennifer Garner when she, or not Jennifer Garner, um, Jennifer La- uh, Lawrence, when she's going up to receive an award and she falls like face first face plants going up in her beautiful dress to get an award. And she like turns around and like completely giggles. And I mean, and the whole world was endeared to her after that. It was like early in her career. And I just think there's got to be a little bit of just giggling through the awkward and doing it anyway. And, and going, yeah, this is, I'm sorry, this is so awkward, but do you have friends? Like I need a friend, you know, I mean, it's just, there's no great, easy way to do this, but I'm so glad because I, you know, that small group has been a lifeline for us. They've helped us raise our kids. They are, they are helping us raise our kids. They are kids have all become great friends and are like, they're like, um, what is it called? Like family, like they're like friend family ish, like people to us. And 
you know, and, and, and I just think this is, this is how it goes. You can't, you can't have what we're all craving without it being, um, risking the hurt, risking, you know, being completely rejected or, or you get in and you get hurt by the people that you've trusted, right? You, there's no way around it. This is, this is hard. And, and yet it's who we are made to be. We've got a God who is communal in his very essence. And then he, they build us in their image. It says in Genesis, they, they use a plural form of, of God in that moment, three in one. And so he, they built us to be communal. It's not like, oh, this is something we need. It's something we are. It's something that's in your DNA that is so a part of you. Uh, Kurt Thompson says it this way. He's a neuro researcher. He says, we all come into the world looking for someone looking for us. Yeah. And, and we're just, this is who we are. We are made for it. So it, it is awkward and we have to do it anyway. <laughs> well, and it's brave. Like you said, going into that small group. Right. I'm sure. Again, there's this aspect. We all are on guard. Yeah. But I'm guessing you're on guard a little bit wondering if someone's needing something from you, if something's somebody's wanting to be close to you because you're close to other people. Yeah. You're just there are all these unsaid pieces sometimes in friendship, whatever it is for someone else. Like maybe she's a pediatrician and she's like, I don't know if I want to be in this friend group because I'm gonna get phone calls about antibiotics at 10 p.m. Or I don't know if this person's going to want, you know. I don't want to be in a utilitarian thing. I'll tell you what mine is. And it's not, it's not that it's not what you think. I don't ever think about that in the way that I might, might could, I, I just have seen people to be lovely. And that has not been how I've been hurt. My problem is I have a very, and this is just in my personality. This is true of me all my life, not, or most of my life. I would say, I don't want to be needy. I don't know how to be needy. I am not good at it. So to be vulnerable is to be in need, right? You cannot be vulnerable and not need anything. <laughs> it would be the opposite of vulnerable. So I think for me, the practice has been, I guard myself, not necessarily because of my work or like, I don't, I, that has not been my struggle. My struggle has been, I guard myself because people have been horrible to me. People have used things against me. People mm -hmm. have turned on me, you know, and I think that's true for everybody. And I, and I think what I, I got to was this is an easier way to live. Right. And, and it was, and I'm going to just say it, if that's you, if you're listening that it is easier, just know that it's not living, <laughs> know that everything good is also blocked out of your life because people make up the best parts of life. Right. But they also make up the worst. And so, so you you're know, saying it's easier to just keep people oh, away yeah, for yeah. sure. It's the hard yes. work to invite people in, to ask for things, to be vulnerable, to be brave. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you will get hurt. And, and I think that's great sales pitch, right? Uh, number one, people will <laughs> you want disappoint friends? you. People are going to hurt you. People they're are going to hurt you. you. People yeah. are going to yeah. disappoint you. No, but, but it's good to know they're disappointing everyone else. And mm. number two, I will disappoint you, right? Yeah. Like, it's not yeah. just them that you will. And I think the grace and the oxygen that those two truths holding in your life, as well as the third one, which is God does not disappoint us. There's a sense of and certainly in the book, I had to lay out like, okay, we come into relationships needy, but a lot of our needs are to be met by God. But God also, I believe, I, you know, the picture I have in my head is everybody sitting there having their quiet time with Jesus. And they're like, I'm just going to stay here with you forever. And he's like, no, don't go. Like you really, that doesn't help anything. Like you alone with me forever is, is not how I built you. It's not what I want for you. It's not how 
all of the work I want to achieve on earth is going to be accomplished, right? It's accomplished through relationships. Um, The Bible is about God and relationships. There's not other themes. Like it is all from the very beginning. It is Cain and Abel killing each other. It is Adam and Eve running from God. And then the results of that and the people they produce, it is a man on earth and, and God looks and says, it is not good for man to be alone. And then they build a family and then they build a people group, and then they build, um, ultimately nations are scattered at Babel. And so you see the whole thing. And then you look in the new Testament, you see local churches, the letters, everything is written to local churches. The whole book is about people. And so the way we are to live out our faith is with people. And so you can be alone and watch Netflix every night in your robe for the rest of all time, which we've all been doing, or you can live the way you're meant to live. And yes, there will be hardship in that, but there will be beauty and joy and everything you're also craving. And I th- I hope and believe in the last two years, one thing we've all come to is this, that's not a way to live, right? We were all a little broken and weary of, of quarantine because it isn't a way to live. And yet we're going to have to practice again with new muscles, the act of, of living communally. It's, it's not easy. And leaning into like not wanting to be needy, if someone resonated with that. Yeah. Well, do you think it really is the core reason why we don't want to be needy is we don't want to be hurt or what, what do you think? Oh, I think there's a lot of reasons. Yeah. I think, you know, I mean, the two main reasons I see people not be vulnerable is shame and pain. Mm -hmm. So shame, they don't want to tell you what they've done. They want to be accepted by you and, and they don't want to tell you that they cussed out their kid that morning. You know, they don't want to say those things out loud or to pain. They've, they've done it and and it's gone badly for them. And I would say both are always present, right? Even today, like I would say I'm, I'm way better at this. I've done a lot of therapy. I've done a lot of work. I've made a lot of hard choices to, to live this way. And even still, you know, this is three nights ago, I was with some of my people and and it turned to me and I, I actually told my husband before I went and I was like, I'm not talking tonight because I would just complain and I'm in a kind of dark, twisty place. And I'm like, I'm just not going to talk because I don't want to be dark and twisty. And I right. show up and of course what happens it's like dog to a bone, they know it, they can tell I'm in a mood and they all zero in on me. And in my common protective mode, I, I throw up my walls and I'm like, I, I don't want to do this. And I don't even know what the purpose or good of it is. And and that's, those are the things in my head is so, what is the point? And in the book, I really lay out the difference in complaining and in transparency, right? Transparency is seeking to be, it's seeking connection and change, right? That's, that's mm-hmm. what transparency does or vulnerability. And then complaining is just seeking relief. Like you're just looking to get something off your chest. And I wasn't seeking connection and change. I wanted to be mopey and cranky, um, but I would say that night I did share everything because they made me, which is a pattern of friendship. I highly recommend for people Yeah, <laughs> make no, your friends, yes, make them. Yes, and yeah. uh, cause I have, if I didn't have that, I would not yeah. do it. I still wouldn't do it. Um, sadly. And so they, they make me and, Oh, I mean, it, they ended up praying over me. They ended up speaking like truths that I've never thought of over me. Like I, I saw things I had never seen in myself. Like it was, it was actually, uh, this is just this week. It was an unbelievable night and I, I will never forget it, but it started by me going, okay, this is what's going on and, and trusting it was worth it, you know, and that they weren't going to 
judge me or be harsh. The book is funny. I actually, what I did because I've seen everything in friendship go wrong. I built all these like silly little things throughout the book that are like 101 conversation, like 101 conflict, 101, all these things, because I thought sometimes people just don't know what to say. Like they literally don't know when you're vulnerable, what to say. And so I, I'm like, say this, say this, and then say this, it sounds like kindergarten, but we all miss the class in kindergarten, right? Like nobody ever actually took us through a class of how to do this. And so So I was like, I'm not going to let them miss this because they didn't know what to say. Or, you know, because I think most people want to be a good friend. I think most people want to comfort their friend that's hurting. I think most people want to resolve the conflict sometimes. I mean, that one's a little more loaded, you know, Um, (laughs) but but I do think we, we see if you you desire to keep that relationship going, you do want to resolve it and move on. Well, and let's come back to that because yeah, uh, actually let's go there now. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, But I would just to finish that thought is. I would say sometimes you just need somebody to hold your hand. And I hope that's what this feels like is, is I'm going to help you because some of it's just tools. Some of it, you just have to know how to be a good friend. And, and so I was reading the audio book, you know, which is the last thing we do. (laughs) And you're by that. Not as much fun as it it. sounds. No, it's definitely not fun. (laughs) There's nothing glamorous about that. Um, But I, I'm reading it and I stop and my producer and my sound people are on and I start laughing at some of this stuff that I, I'm reading and that I wrote. And I was like, I'm sorry, y'all, this sounds so elementary. I'm giggling. And they were like, and the 60 year old woman that was producing it said, Jenny, I'm telling you, I do not know this stuff. And I, it just made me realize like, oh my gosh, this is so basic, but we never learned it. Okay. Long story, but it's going to be worth it. On my trip to Orlando, I hung out with some longtime online friends for breakfast. And believe it or not, in our conversation, we talked about HelloFresh, one of this week's sponsors. And my friend, Angie Elkins, she has a big booming media company. Her husband cooks dinner. He uses HelloFresh. And the reason she convinced him was she told him about another friend whose husband learned how to cook because the HelloFresh recipe cards are so thorough, he actually gained cooking skills. And I've told y'all, I think it's great for my boys. Like the recipe cards, not only do they have a great picture that you can show them when they say what's for dinner, but really does walk them through how to cook, which is such a great skill to give your kids before you launch them. For me, launching is happening so soon. If you want to check out HelloFresh, they send you basically farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients with the recipes right to your door and saves you money because you're not going into a restaurant. It's cheaper than the groceries that would it would take to make those meals. You have amazing options that you can choose from. They have some cozy classics from around the world right now, like a beef tenderloin and cheese fondue. Yum. A miso sesame shrimp and bacon ramen. Or you can go a little simpler if your family needs a family-friendly option. We have done that too. So if you want to go check it out, go to HelloFresh.com slash DMA16, the number, 16. Use that code DMA16 and you will get up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. So go to HelloFresh.com slash DMA16. Use the code DMA16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts gifts. When you do, you will see why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. 
There is no one size fits all. We are so unique when it comes to friendship and when it comes to hair products. And that's what I love about our sponsor, Pros. They have personalized my hair routine. I tend to have a lot of thin hair and oily. And not only that, but I live in Dallas in a city. And right now it's really dry with having heaters on in the snowstorm we just went through. What's great is Pros starts by asking about you as a person. Even questions like, how many times do you work out? How often do you wash your hair? Your zip code, all the things, eating habits, damage level. It goes so beyond just your normal, what are your hair goals quiz. They analyze your answers and then Pros will create a unique blend of ingredients just for you. And they got mine right. I am loving the shampoo and conditioner that they sent me. It is so great. And as a carbon neutral certified B Corps, Pros is the industry leader in clean and responsible beauties. All their ingredients are sustainably sourced, ethically gathered, and cruelty free. If you're not 100% positive that Pros is the best hair care you've had, they will take the products back. No questions asked. Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Literally, they put your name on the products. Take your free in-depth hair consultation. Get 15% off your first order day. Go to pros.com slash DMA. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash DMA for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. And then back to what you said. Sometimes you want the relationship to end. I would say always in the midst of conflict, you want the relationship to end. And I think this is probably my most tender, sad part of this, because I think I can lead, you know, you can lead someone to water, but you've got, they've got to drink. And, and I would say you can lead someone to conflict, but they've got to choose it. And, and I tell my, my kids, you, you will not know if someone is your good friend until you've been through and are on the other side of conflict, because until that has been tested, then they could leave you the first sign of it. And it will come the deeper you go, the friendships we're talking about living life on life, which is what I'm suggesting um, in each other's, you know, every day, then you're going to have conflict. And I would say that is, that is so sad. If it, it, what would make break my heart the most. And I've even thought of writing a whole nother book called keep your people about it, but I, there's a lot about it in the book and I don't know that it, it requires it, but it would be so sad if you actually built this village and these deeper friendships, and then you lose them because you can, you know, most villages, you never lived more than 20 miles from the um, place you were born. So you kind of had to work it out. Like you were pretty much stuck together forever in a small village. So um, throughout history, you know, people were better at this. We can leave, we can quit, we can stop. And I would just say, and then that, then we don't ever have deep friendships because there's nothing like the people that, that have known you for a decade. There's nothing like the people that helped you raise your kids and, and still walking with them. And somebody listening right now is thinking I had those people, but I've lost them. And I would just say, are you sure there is no way to repair and restore? Have you built boundaries too high? And I would say for some people, they haven't some people it is toxic and those boundaries are required and necessary. But for some of us, we just haven't forgiven. We, we, we built a boundary where we should have had a conversation and, and maybe, maybe 10, 
I just walked through this with two friends who I was physically forcing, like grabbing both of their arms and making them sit down to work this out because they were such good friends. And I could not imagine them no longer being friends. I would still be friends with both of them, but I couldn't imagine their friendship falling apart. It broke my heart. Mm. And they, I mean, it probably took three to four pretty loaded, harsh, hard conversations where both of them walked away and told me, I don't think this is going to work. I don't think this is going to work. And I mean, I'm in the middle of writing or finishing this book and I'm like, oh, it will work. Like, I am, You are going That'll to work. work out. Yes. And so I just did not give up. And, and, and they now, not only are they better, they would say they're better than they were before. And that is what it's supposed to do. Yeah. It's that it, it takes a while. And depending on the amount of hurt, it might take a long while, but, but if we don't give up on people and we, we stick with them over long hauls and through conflict and, and work to understand, because what we've also got to understand is if God made us this way, and if this is what builds the kingdom, then the devil hates it. Right. And that's what I felt with those two. I'm like, I feel like the devil is like completely sabotaging this. And, and then that just made me extra mad. I was like, no. So we've got to be quick to obey scripture, which is really loaded. I mean, encourage one another, forgive one another, All the admonish one, one another. Oh, yeah. it's a mess. Which sounds lovely, but it's yeah. so hard. I'm so thankful that you did the 101s because I think when I've gotten in conflict, and again, I think it's great that you're saying expect it and push through it and your relationship can be better because the lie I would tell myself based on my journey of friendship and having been homeschooled for uh, third through eighth grade is that I'm just bad at this. It's nothing to do with the other person's brokenness coming to the surface or the fact that this is just what friendship is is I believe well, it must be my fault. And and it could an element of it is maybe my fault, but I think I just shut down and say, well, I'm just not good at friends. Like Heather, do you yeah. know almost every person that has hosted an interview about this has said something to that extent, every one of them. Okay, this is real. This is where the enemy wants to get us. So you saying it's not just you. It's not thing. just you. Yeah. And, and one of the things I did in the book was I laid out, here's, here's different types of friends. Mm -hmm. And there were several reasons I did that is yeah. it was super fun to do, to think about all my friends and all the people I know and, and ask a lot of people, like what types of friends do you see? And, and so there's a challenger friend, there's a, um, a sage friend that gives incredible advice. There's the, the planner friend, the organized friend, there's the, the fun friend. <laughs> um, and, and I think why I did that was because of what you're saying, actually, because I think we look at other people and maybe we need certain things and we don't get them. And we think, oh, I'm a failure because I'm bad at that part of friendship. I am bad at needing people. I am, but I'm really good at building experiences where people feel seen and known and connected. And I, I throw a good party. I, I welcome people into my house. I, I I'm good at other things, you know, and I'm probably more the, the fun one that creates spaces for people and, and the encouraging one, you know, those are the things I could do well, but what I wanted was for people to realize one, you're not going to be all things to all people. Yeah. And I wanted them to see, you have something to bring to friendship and, and not that we don't try to remember people's birthdays if we're not very organized, oh but, my gosh. Yes. but I'm horrible with that. And, and I will always forget your birthday and it's on my phone and set, it set alarm for my dearest friends. And I still forget. And so I, I, there's just things I'm bad at and it makes me feel like, and the narrative is because you don't, you know, you aren't very vulnerable or transparent with people. You are not a good friend. And I actually am a good friend. I'm good at other things. And, and I'm working on being transparent and vulnerable because I know that matters to friendship. 
But what we do is we expect like one or two people to meet all of our relational needs. And the other hope I had was that we would start realizing we need a village. We don't just need the two best friends. We need a lot of people around us playing different roles in our lives. And we will have a fuller experience as people have had throughout history, which is what I did was look back at villages throughout history. And even today in different countries right now, because that was, that was where I saw life happening. When I went to Uganda, when I went to Rwanda, when I went to Italy in Europe, I mean, you see, we went to this little bitty village in Italy and I walked in this little grocer and everybody stopped and was like, who are you? What are you doing? Um, who are, where are y'all from? Here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and nobody comes out here, you know, and, and I was so jealous that they were all sitting around three guys at the counter smoking and catching up from their day. And, and then women in the back with their kids together, like they were, their kids were everywhere. You know, I just, I, I saw a different way to do life and I wanted it. And yet I live in a Metroplex, right? So I had to, <laughs> I had to figure out how to build it and keep it. And what, what has worked for generations of all humans, literally all humans, <laughs> this is how they've lived until industrial revolution in the West what has worked for them and what works for 80% of the world right now can work for us, but we have to choose it. We have to work harder at it. We have to invest in it and we have to look for it around us. And, and what that is, is, is different people, right? I, I love that you did that episode. I think we all need people that are ahead of us and behind us. I need the college girl that became one of my dearest friends. I never would have considered her that in previous life. Cause she went in the same life stage as me, but that girl travels with us. She is a part of our family. She and I talk once a day about life and work and everything. I mean, she's my friend. She's my very good friend. And yes, she could be my daughter, but my daughter's my friend too. And, and I think we, we tend to think of friendship as same life stage when honest and same age and same everything. And, and that's not real. And that's never worked. Right. And it's never worked here and it's never worked in the past. And what makes a rich life is all of these people doing life with you, beside you in deep ways and, you know, looking for that village that can come around you and, and walk with you through all the days of your life. Hopefully it's really, it's inspirational. And I think when people think of you in that moment, just a few days ago where your friends were pushing you to go beyond your comfortability, I think it raised a question in my mind of, how do we foster that kind of friendship? How do we create that space where we have that depth? It can't, we can only do our part so much. Like you had to show yeah. up and then, but the people that you chose to be in that group value depth and openness. And so how do we know if they're willing to do that? So I think this is super helpful research. It takes 200 hours for someone collectively with someone to feel like they are very good, close friend. 200 so, hours. Mm -hmm. So I like that. I like knowing that that's helpful to know, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, that's not just going to happen yeah. overnight, especially yeah. with kids, right? Like most of your listeners are, are mothers and, and our parents and, and they have young kids. So, so you've got less time, but you could clock that time in more unique ways. Right. So what I say is don't be afraid to, to go to Costco and stick your kids all in the back of the car and, you know, have a traumatic experience together at Costco, you know, um, just, just do things that, you know, and one of my friends, I remember when my husband was out of town one night and she knew he was gone, she showed up at my door with pizza and paper plates, did not tell me she was coming. And I, we, she stayed all night and with her kids and we, our kids made a disaster. My house was a mess. I had no plan for dinner, but she didn't ask me, do you have dinner plans? She just showed up with pizza. 
And I, I think there's something about us just picking a few people to say, we're going to be those people that show up with pizza and paper plates and you don't have to clean the house for. And I think, you know, those are conversations to have maybe, you know, I'd love it if everybody could just do that. But, but I think my hope is that a lot of groups of friends will read the book together and go, Oh, wait, we could be doing this differently. And doesn't this sound rich and good? Let's live this way together because it is a way of living. It's not something that you add to your schedule. If it were that simple, it would be a pamphlet, right? I could just have said, Hey, start a supper club, but it's not, it's not that we're talking about daily, like in and out of each other's lives. And and choosing a mode of operation that's communal rather than independent. We have been raised in an independent society. And so choosing those little things are actually really hard to do because we value independence. We Amazon what we need. We don't go and borrow it from our neighbors. So, you know, that that's part of what makes good friends is being needy. And so you almost have to, in a world where we don't need much, you really have to almost create that choice to need someone. <laughs> I mean, I know it sounds funny, but you know, one of the things I do is when I need to clean out my closet, I call two of my best friends. They come over, I give them wine then, and they sit there on these two chairs and they watch me clean out my closet and talk to me the whole time because I just don't want to be alone. And I want them to tell me like, no, that's terrible. Get rid of it. But that's inviting them into my most intimate world, right? It's like, there's not much more intimate space than your closet. And then telling you that that's horrible. And you wore it last week, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's really vulnerable, but it's those kind of things that make them yeah. feel more like sisters than friends. And yet we're afraid to bring people into our closet and we're afraid to ask for people's opinion and help. We're afraid to borrow something. You know, I just spoke at the biggest event I've ever spoken at in my life. And I, I mean, I had to worry about what to wear, right? You just right, do of course. college yeah. kids. So it was, really into a lot of pressure. Yes. Yes. And so I, my friend Lindsay was helping me and she was like sending me things and this and this and this at the end of the day, she goes, just wear this. And she gave it to me out of her closet. Right. And of course, everybody was like, Oh, the green blazer. Like I loved it. You know? And I'm thinking, I mean, I didn't even, not only did I not pick it out, I, she gave it (laughs) to me out of her closet. I don't even own it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love that. And it so represents like what I'm living right now, which is communally, like she's dressing me. Um, and, and I think that's, it's, I know everybody craves that. And I imagine people are listening and going, I'm so far from that, but you aren't. Cause I didn't even know her three years ago, four years ago. So I do think there's patterns to follow. There's things we can do. It's not hopeless. There's, there's real ways to do this. And I, I think that should hopefully give people hope. You mentioned fear in there and I'm curious, you know, I've had a lot of friends who write different books and then they have to live out the story of the book. (laughs) (laughs) And I know for Don't Mom Alone, I was terrified. This sounds really pessimistic that I would become a single mom or I would lose all my friends. Don't Mom Alone. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to do this. I didn't know it was pandemic. For you with Find Your People and you're writing this book on friendship, was there a lot of fear about, oh my gosh, I'm going to set the stage that I'm the expert on this and then what's going to happen in my real life? Yeah. So the first chapter of the book, the first line of the book is I had a panic attack last week and it was actually written. um, That whole chapter was an add on uh, after the book was finished. And I wrote it at the end of my editing. And I'd now been away from my friends for basically a year because I was writing every day and editing every day. So I just had had so much time alone. And when I came out of editing, I felt like I lost all my friends while I was writing about them. And it was a fear that was in my head that kept playing 
And then around the same time, my sister and I got into a conflict, my husband and I got into a conflict. A lot of the people close to me, we got into conflict. So basically it felt like I was, I was writing a book about finding your people and I was losing all of mine while I was doing it. And I, I literally couldn't breathe. I was on my closet floor. Um, I'd had a nightmare the night before that not only was I distant from them, but they were, they were gossiping and, you know, I mean, yeah. again, yeah. so it was pretty dark. And so I, I just couldn't even handle it. It was my biggest fear. I, I felt like I am going to be a fraud. Like I'm going to have to go on stage and talk about all these people I wrote about and we're not even friends anymore. Mm. And, and, you know, this is what's so magic about, <laughs> about where I am today versus where I have been in the past. I woke up the next morning after that panic attack and I, um, I got a phone call at like seven thirty AM super early. And it was, it was one of my good friends and I, you know, old me would have pushed ignore. It was early. I could have easily been with my kids, you know, and I picked it up instead. And I said, Hey, can we get together tonight? I need to tell y'all and a few other friends what is going on right now. And she said, yes. So she gathered everybody up that night and I got to just kind of dump my guts and say, here's where I've been. And of course, you know, your fear in that moment is they're going to patronize like, oh, of course we love you. Cause you're basically <laughs> saying, I don't, I don't know where we are. I don't know where things stand. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. and it was so vulnerable and it's not something I would have done prior to this project candidly. And and these friends, but I did it. And I just said, here's where I am. This is what I've been believing. And, oh, uh, I mean, it, you know what? It, it's just, it's so many lies in our head. I mean, if we really believe the enemy hates this, like our deep relation, healthy relationships, then yes, he's trying to sabotage it at every turn. And, and it's, it's the thing you think is too hard to do that is going to cause it to thrive. And, and for me that day, it was just being honest about fearing losing them and the insecurities of that. And, and it was, and I told him everything, you know, and, and I think that's just a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to admit that you're weak. It's a hard thing to say, I had a panic attack last night and it y'all were part of it, you know, it's just hard. And so it was so sweet that night when they were dropping me off. Um, one of my friends, Lindsay looked at me and said, I just want you to know I've never felt closer to you. Mm. And, and it's, you know, it's like, gosh, that was hard. And I wasn't comfortable and I, I, I should you know, and before I would have never done it, but it's in that, that I actually feel like I got my friends back and I, I didn't waste, you know, any more time pulling back. Cause I think we self-sabotage. We, we yeah. kind of in our head say, Hey, this is what it is. And that's what they think of me. And that's, I'm not good at this. Like you were saying, and we all say these narratives that are in our heads over and over and over again, when really, or I'll get rejected and you might, but you might not. And and maybe you aren't great at every aspect of friendship, but no one is. And then the other great optimistic hope, which is completely devastating and horrible, but is that three in five people said they were lonely prior to the pandemic. So I imagine now it's probably five in five, right? I mean, I can't imagine there aren't many people that are need to be pursued. And that's as, as sad as that news is, that's also full of optimism because it means that you're probably reaching out to somebody that needs a friend too. And, and I think that's, that's what we've got to believe is assume the best that, that people need you and that you need them and something about that exchange. It does begin to change everything in life. 
It's good because it also fights against the lie that I'm too needy. I think that where you said you may not be needy enough. I think there are some people that are like, I'm too much. I'm, I'm expecting too much of people. And so to normalize that, it's like, nope, we all have that need. And it's never too much. And although sometimes, I, mean, sometimes I would say, much. I, I would say, wait, let me tell you exactly yeah. where it goes too much is yeah. if, if you're expecting people to be God to you, I mean, yes, that's, that, that's I where yeah. that's the line. Mm-hmm. Right. And so yep. it, it's a first securing that relationship and identity as connected to God so that there's not this constant expectation of people. I think that's the difference. It, and maybe we need better words for it. It's good yeah, to need other people or it's people bad like, to think, yeah, it's emotional. bad to think they're going to meet yeah. all your needs, you know, and that's our problem is nobody's ever spelled out for us. Like the way we could need people and help people do that. Because I, I think that's, it's an awkward process, but it is, you know, and it's just the unfair expectations we all put on each other and, and therefore live always disappointed rather than, you know what, people are going to disappoint you. They will, they will always disappoint you. However, you have a God that won't, and you're disappointing them right back. So (laughs) it's like, if we all can just kind of admit that and, and lean into each other anyway, and, and not expect each other to meet all of our needs, but to come in with, a desire for deep connection and, and willing to, to do the things that takes, I think, I think we'll find it. Well, I'm thankful for you and being honest about your journey in this and giving us the one-on-one. So we don't think we're the only one who uh, struggles in this. And so I'm excited to point people to this new resource, which comes out on the twos day, the two, 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 two day, Um, (laughs) super fun. And I know you'll be out and about with even more resources to support people. And so thank you for that. Thank you for Mm. discipling us in this. Well, back at you. I love everything you do. And even the name of your podcast, it's it's speaking (laughs) this language, girl. I love it. It's so important. Well, I appreciate that. All right. Well, hope to see you soon. Okay. Yes. Let's see each other. Okay. Okay. All right. Bye, girl. Bye. I hope you hear the grace in this conversation that the statistic Jenny shared about taking around 200 hours to feel like you're a close friend, that you would recognize this is an overnight success. This is long and hard and clunky and that conflict can draw us closer. And if you're in that place where you're really disappointed or you you have disappointed someone or you're dealing with hurt or pain, I want to pray over you right now. Um, Because I know the heart of God for you is connection and community. And I just want to cheerlead that for you. So I'm going to pray for you. Lord, just like healing comes from being known and sharing the tender parts of our life and opening ourselves up to wounding by people, we do wound one another. And so right now, I want to lift up the wounded woman or man that is listening that they could take that wound to you, whatever hurt, whatever way they have been betrayed, whatever way they have been disappointed in how someone has handled their relationship, whatever conflict or disagreement has occurred, Lord, I pray that they could bring that to you, that they could receive your healing and possibly receive even deeper healing in a community that speaks truth that doesn't continue to badger and talk about how horrible that person was, but speak truth about who you are and what you're able to do. 
I pray a spirit of unity over our body of believers, that we can be a shining light to a hurting world, that real depth and connection is possible because we have one spirit in us, drawing us to one another, communicating what is true when we sometimes create false narratives about the motivations behind actions. I pray, Lord, for my own heart that when there is a challenge, I would release the lie that it is because I'm bad at friendship. I thank you for friends who speak truth over me. I thank you that you are good to me. I thank you for all that you've given us, all the tools you've equipped us with, that we don't have to do this on our own, that you go with us. I pray for wisdom and good boundaries and um, health. Lord, I pray for space to heal from all that we've been through. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, you all, for joining us. I can't believe it, but um, we're wrapping up that book club talking about Don't Mom Alone. And it's been such a joy to get to know moms. It's interesting how we haven't had a huge group. I mean, I'm talking 10 people, y'all, that I chat with (laughs) on the weekly. But they're getting to know each other. They're encouraging each other. They're total strangers to one another. And it's amazing when you show up for something, even if, I mean, we've only hung out, what, five hours? I do feel like I know them more. And so how could we invest a little bit of time with a small group of people? What would that look like for you? Could you invite four women to read through Don't Mom Alone with you and to meet, uh, whether it's while the kids play in a park or whether you meet Saturday mornings while your kids stay home with um, a family member or or a a babysitter? I don't know what it looks like for you. I love letting it be organic, but I do think if you want to use the book as an excuse to get together with other moms, I think you're going to find that it's It's a soft place to land. It's not something that's going to make you feel worse about your parenting, but just better and that it'll draw you all closer together. Um, Also, we did release our uh, new tops, our convo starters that have Don't Mom Alone, the new branding from the book on the front of them. The link is in the show notes here. It's in the show notes from yesterday, not yesterday, last week's episode and uh, really popular is the long sleeve, like min- green colored. We want to release more colors in the future for you know spring summer. So stay tuned for that. But uh, the long sleeve green, apparently supply chain issues. It's not us, but they only have small and medium. The other shirts and sweatshirts have small, medium, large, extra large, double XL, three XL. So. Uh, check all those out in the show notes and I will see you back here next week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us, moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 317, 
The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.